comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 25 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I will be hosting Ted Yoder. I, I, I want to continue being a water walker. Uh, I want to show my kids and the world that I'm so very imperfect and uninteresting, <laughs> yet I can't stand the thought of being unnecessary. So I face my fears and demons daily. Sometimes they beat me up real bad, but sometimes I win. And when you taste victory, the thirst is insatiable. I never stop hoping that I'm here daily for a purpose. Ted and I had a great interview. Actually, as I re-listened to it, you know, for the editing and stuff, um, I realized we had a we had a lot of laughs, and he shared a lot of um, insightful and uh, deep experiences in his um, faith, and just with his music career and dealing with social media and and just including his family and everything. Just a lot of good nuggets out of this interview. So I know uh, I know you will enjoy it because uh, I enjoyed, obviously, doing it, plus uh, re-listening to it as well. Now a word for the nonprofit of the month, A Door to Hope. Brent Gambrell will share a few details on our phone conversation about the nonprofit ministry he runs. Hey, this is Brent. Hey, what's up, Brent? Andrew here. How are you? I'm good, dude. I'm good. Good. Hey, so uh, give me a little, uh, little, give me some details about Adore to Hope. Well, Adore to Hope, uh, we're a ministry organization. We've been in the country of Haiti about seven, uh, almost seventeen years now. Uh, we've been, uh, we have three programs in Haiti: uh, the Foundation of Hope, the Key to Hope, and the uh, blocks of Hope. We build homes since the earthquake in Haiti. We've been building houses as as hard and fast as we can. So as a real estate person, I guess we're a real estate developer in a third world country. Um, but, but, but we also, uh, we undergird schools and and we help churches and communities. So that's what we do. People can help us by giving uh, to one of the three programs, they can contact us at adoretohope.com. That's adoretohope.com. Or um, they can come with us to Haiti. We do up to 14 trips a year, uh, and they can come with us, and they can get more information from that, too, at adoretohope.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's a, that's enough for this week. I'll give you a shout next week, and we'll dive a little deeper into one of the uh, the actual ministries within it. So right, until man. then, have a good day. Thanks, buddy. Now sit back and enjoy the interview with Ted and I. Hello, Nashville. Today I am coming to you from Percy Warner Park. Actually, this isn't the actual park. I don't know if you noticed, but I drove by and I thought that'd be nice. A couple little picnic areas. So Edwin's over there. Percy's over on that side, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this is some little picnic area. And I only know that because... I've driven by here a couple times, going to another friend's house. Yeah. So, otherwise, I know nothing about Nashville. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a cool area. Yeah. So so Ted, um, today I'm sitting down with Ted Yoder, 
And he is going to be, I guess I will say, a special guest because he's not from Nashville. He should be, but he's not. I'm kidding. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but a little bit about Ted. Ted Yoder's Hammer Dulcimer cover of Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, became one of the most watched Facebook Live posts in 2016 when the song received more than 101 million views from music fans around the world. Ted is the perfect musician for the 21st century. His passionate playing style and easygoing personality make him a natural online star. His performance style in popular songs including Journeys Don't Stop Believing, The Beatles, Eleanor Rigby, and classics such as Amazing Grace and The Little Drummer Boy has become known as Yoderizing. You're the Yoderizer, right? <laughs> What's the most remarkable about Yoder, besides the magic he brings to the mallets, is how his career has flourished at a time when the traditional corporate music industry is in decline. With his wife Donna, Yoder has created a family culture of creativity and teamwork that puts his music making at the center of its activities. <laughs> Pretty cool. And uh, so I saw Ted... Um, well, one, thanks for joining me in the Absolutely. Rambler. Thanks for driving, what was it, 25 hours to come and do this <laughs> not, interview? Not quite. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining me. Sure. But uh, I saw, I was one of the one of the people that was in the millions, probably in 16, maybe I caught it a little bit later. I can't remember, but I remember seeing it and thought, man, that's really cool. And then a little bit later, I noticed that, Chad Jeffers had a post on you. So I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's cool. They kind of know. And so I'd reach out to Ted, and I think I saw you were coming to to Franklin at some point. So I'm like, hey, you you play a cool instrument. Would you have an interest in, you know, joining joining me for an interview? And he uh, was happy to say yes. Absolutely. Or he said yes. I yeah. don't know how he felt. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So first, I'll ask you a couple of uh, speed round questions. I had to modify them a little bit. Um, so where do you current, currently live? Goshen, Indiana. Okay. And now where's that in relation S to? Sleepy little town between South Bend and Fort Wayne. Okay. So, so way up north. So I went to um, Fort Wayne. We stayed in Fort Wayne and we, had, we did a family reunion type thing in mm -hmm. Payne, Ohio. Somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Like windmills and stuff. I guess sure. that's kind of close up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So why have you not moved to Nashville? <laughs> <laughs> because it's beastly hot down here and the humidity doesn't change from Indiana to Nashville. So why? <laughs> right, right, right. Now, I won't say beastly, but I guess that's I'm from Arkansas and Texas. So yeah, therefore, yeah, yeah. you know, but it has been. Yeah, it's been pretty humid this uh, this summer. We're all kind of ready for fall. Do you all get much snow up there? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, all right. So if I jumped in your car and turned on the radio, what would I find you listening to? <laughs> Absolutely nothing because I don't have a radio. Okay. <laughs> so if you do you listen to any radio? Um, not really. Okay. I mean, of course, now I, I listen when I do listen to something, it's just iTunes, you know, so yeah. I pop in, you know, whatever I want to listen to. Right. But, so if you turned on my phone and opened up iTunes, you right. would probably see Andy McKee. George Winston, Acoustic Alchemy, and of course, old staples that I grew up with, like U2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, as I was writing that, I was thinking about that radio, because I'm like, 
people listen to podcasts and this and that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. well, what if you listen to it on your phone, not your phone? And so. I do audiobooks all the time. Okay. So, you know. Gotcha. All right. So tell me one thing most people do not know about you. One thing. Or something unique. My dad was a... I only say this because this is leading to something. My my dad was a very calm individual, not very excitable. And I mouthed off to my mom one time, just too, too many times or something like that. And he literally dove across the table and grabbed me by my shirt collar and slammed me against the wall. <laughs> He had every right to fear of God for the rest of my life. <laughs> Just by that one instance. Yes. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm sure we've both had a, a few of those instances where we're like, eh, maybe that was a little too much. But <laughs> yeah, hey, there, I, I it, deserved it. It did develop some fear, right? Yeah. What is one of the most exciting places you visited? I would have to say going out west. Of course, you know, being born and raised in Wisconsin and Indiana flatland, not too many mountains kind of a thing. You see a lot of corn, but going out west, seeing the Grand Canyon, the Painted Desert, Colorado, mm -hmm. it's just beautiful out there. Yeah, I agree. Before I got into real estate, I sold commercial trucks and I drove cross country from Portland, oh, Salt Lake City, yeah. San Diego. Like uh, I'm ready. I haven't taken this yet, but I'm ready to take this. Like I would love to do like a little month tour yeah you know? oh I, I i still want to see wyoming yosemite mm -hmm. uh there's uh, yeah i drove by there and i was like an hour away and i really wanted to go but i'm like uh i better not i've better experienced that with the kids you know especially yeah. to be like oh i just hit it for like 30 minutes and so yeah that's that's a trip i'm looking forward to <laughs> all right so in a few minutes or less tell me uh tell the audience a little bit about yourself Oh boy, a little bit about myself. I'm going to go all the way back to when I was born. Okay, well now, before you go back that far. Okay. So I do have questions that will bring you back there. Okay. So a little um, bit about my, so, so do like more kind of a of nutshell. Current. Yeah, in a nutshell. Uh, I have seven children, ages 20 down to six, four girls, three boys. So I need to write some number one hits real quick so I can pay for some weddings. There you go. <clears throat> uh, I've been married to Donna, my wife, for 21 years now. And we have, since we're not having kids anymore, my wife continually brings other living beings into our home. So we currently have five dogs, a rabbit. I don't even know how many cats. We're like the crazy cat lady on The Simpsons, except we're the crazy fa family, cat family. Uh, we have two, two birds. Finally got rid of the chinchilla and my, um, my bearded dragon died. So we're at least down to... So you probably have a, a veterinarian in the future, yeah. probably. We do, like actually. Okay. My my second daughter, Lindy, she's okay. she's actually working as not quite a vet tech yet, but right. she got a job at a at a uh, animal hospital. Nice. And uh, yeah. so she's definitely heading right. that direction. She's probably the motivator of, hey, we need another yep, dog. Yep. You know, as this <laughs> one needs friend and he's lonely or, you know. Um, all right, so... Now we'll start okay. know, some deeper interview. Yeah, it's funny because I'll <laughs> ask that question sometimes and, and some people start going. I'm like, no, 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 just a little bit. Like You're getting into my next question. <laughs> All right. So um, how did the environment and your family cultivate your childhood years? Where was that? My family environment. My mom and dad were singers and they used to, I was born in uh, Northwoods, Wisconsin. And so they used to sing on the radio back when people did live radio. 
before podcasts were a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely grew up in a singing family. My mom wanted me to be a, a tenor for a Southern gospel group or something like that. And I just, I, I was too busy listening to Billy Joel, Elton John, you know, I wanted to be a rock and roller. And so I just never uh, quite fulfilled her dreams on that end. But at least I'm doing music for a living right now. But uh, yeah, so so that was I, I just kind of grew up in that. I, but I also love sports. So early on in my years, uh, my parents got me into baseball and basketball and different things like that. So I didn't actually get into doing music on a regular basis, like piano lessons and stuff like that till I was like 14. So I was kind of late into that. Right, right. All right. So the mom had a little influence into yeah. your, your music history. Um, teenagers can really begin to shape who you are, what we like, and the projection of our future. What were some moments in those years that had a major impact on you? Well, I already shared one <laughs> with my <Yes>. dad. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was a big one. I'm trying to think of... Um, there. There's one story that was very harsh, and I'm... I got to keep it PG in some ways. So I grew up in church. We we basically went to church every time the doors were open kind of a thing, almost like a Southern Baptist. <laughs> mm -hmm. So by the time I hit my teenage years, like I said, I was, I'm the youngest of six. So I already kind of just have this inbred rebellion right? That that the youngest always seemed to go through. And so I was just a little bit different than everybody else. And uh, so I started to have these little rubs with the church that we were going through. I was playing piano for the youth group. Um, every now and then I would play piano for the evening worship service. I wasn't quite godly enough or good enough to do it for the morning service. So uh, anyway, I was working my way up there. And I so I just had now, were some... Were you not talented enough or you were you not godly enough? Wasn't godly enough. enough. Yeah, right. I definitely okay. wasn't. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm going to try and make a long story short. So eventually I just had enough run-ins with the leadership of the church that they basically embarrassed me and called me out and embarrassed me in front of the whole youth group. They took away all my musical opportunities in the church. So they got me off of the youth group worship team. They got me off of the Sunday evening thing. So I was just, I was just stripped down to nothing. And I basically showed up at church because my family was there. And I believed it was the right thing to do. So one Sunday morning, there was, well, okay, before I tell you that real quick, sorry, I don't want to be long-winded about this. No, you're fine. I, there was one thing that really shaped me and my relationship with my dad during this time was the church also had a, a private school that, that I was going to. I got kicked out of that. I got kicked out of the private school too so you were a rebel right oh my gosh i this was my junior year in high school and i was having a really good year i i, I went half the year without any detentions which is uh, you know very different for me and so i just had this one little run-in with my teacher and um he said don't bother coming back and i was just shocked because i was being a good kid that year you know so Later that evening, when all this was boiling up, he uh, the, the teacher called my dad. And I just remember him talking on, on the phone. I remember just, he of course, you're just hearing one side of the conversation, right? And my dad said, how old are you? He's 16. Who's the adult here? I just remember my dad standing up for me. Right. And just that, that made a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. 
so now fast forward a little bit to me totally being the black sheep of the church. We had some really good friends in the church and, you know, my whole family was there. So one Sunday morning, um, I'm sitting there with my friends. Of course, the youth group usually sat up in like the second row or something like that. And I'm right in the middle of everybody. And they were going to do they were going to take communion. And of course, they went through this whole thing of, you know, if you have hidden sin or you're not mm-hmm. worthy and all this kind of weird stuff that I don't believe in anymore. So I thought, well, I'll just I'll just stay out of it just in case, because I, I, I don't want to piss God off more than I already have. Right? right. So if this is true, that you might doom yourself to hell because you take communion unworthily. I'm just going to sit this one out. <laughs> right. So so I just I politely just sat there, didn't do anything while everybody else stood up, took communion, did their thing. So after everybody sat down and the communion was over, the service was starting, one of the uh, elders walks up to me in front of the whole church. Wow. And just points me out and, you know, just berates me in front of the whole church about being I can't even think of my words now, but just, you know, disrespectful, you know, how could you do this? And I was like, I'm not doing anything. Of course, I'm turning like 50 oh shades my of red, God, that's you know, crazy. And so I, I finally said, that's it. If this is what church is, I'm wow. out of here. So I'm, I get up and I'm, I'm, I'm walking out and, uh, a, f- a friend of my dad's, his name was Al, Al Mishler. And I've, I've since seen him multiple times. And every time I see him, I tell him between you and Jesus, you saved my life. Mm. And he stopped me in the foyer and he put his hands on my shoulders and with tears in his eyes, he just said, please don't harden your heart. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. And so throughout the rest of my teenage, early twenties, when I was just doing whatever, I constantly heard that through my that was just the mantra throughout no matter who hurt me no matter what happened here or there i just mm. kept hearing please don't harden your heart please don't harden your heart right um wow so yeah that was that was very that was the most influential yeah thing that happened in my life yeah that'll that'll make a big especially <laughs> when you pour so much into this you know like that was your identity Oh and yeah, then, golly, yeah. that's so crazy, yeah. man. It's so it's so sad. You know, the older we get, the more stories you hear, and mm. of really how just religion ruins it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what it was about, and and the I mean, you know, and it's funny because people go, "Oh, you shouldn't be judgmental." I think it's hard not to just judge because we think for ourselves, right? But it's how do you react on your thoughts? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not or even just present them. You know, how do you uh, present your thoughts? Man, that's just crazy. Yeah. Well, well, when and so quick with my with the church I went to growing up, and I was kind of yeah. I mean, I wasn't super heavy ever into it. My my mom wasn't at the time either. But we had a convenience store, and basically. Um, the church got a bunch of people together and petitioned to to vote this little tiny little district dry, and that was our business. So basically, it killed my wow. mom's only you know means of living. Now, granted, they weren't intentionally going out after her; they were going after somebody else that had opened up a liquor store. Sure. But still, it was just like I mean, well, and it was the fact that the church was like so heavily involved in coordinating it all. You yeah, know, yeah. And then I had a best friend and his parents owned a convenience store like two miles down the road, which I worked there and everybody just drove two more miles and got their <laughs> alcohol. It, it solved nothing, you know. Right. <laughs> um, it just shut a couple businesses down. So, yeah, actually, yeah. Um, 
you know, probably because of that, like I stopped going then and mm-hmm. went to college and had a lot of fun my first year. And, and thankfully he never let go of me, pull me back, you know, yeah. but yeah. yeah, that's so, I mean, it's just sad to hear that, you know, yeah. and God, what a, like, just like I said, such an influential time in your life. Oh my goodness. And, you know, thank God you had that one person that spoke really, you know, yeah. strongly into you that it, it kept you somewhat grounded. Well, and it actually set me up for, and I, I, I'm not a deep theological person, so I'm not, you know, going to go there necessarily, but it really set me up for a relationship with the Holy Spirit that I have to this day that I'm sure I wouldn't have had because I wasn't going to church, but I constantly had that in the back of my head. He kept bringing that to my memory. And so it, it set up it set up a relationship. I didn't have anybody else to talk to, mm-hmm. so I just talked to him, whoever him was. Mm. You know, as far as I knew, the Holy Spirit was just a dude who brought you tongues. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I just I would just talk to him, and then, you know, later on I was still influenced by uh, certain Christian musicians. Right. That, um, yeah. So anyway, it just yeah. it just kind of set me up for uh, a relationship that is still ongoing to this day. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, wow. So. All right, so imagine you are hanging out in the orchard with Rich Mullins, mm-hmm. and you guys are talking about your early 20s. What were some valuable lessons you would share with Rich? Oh. <laughs> I think, and maybe this doesn't answer the question, but I think I would have to go back to my parents and learning what, what I believed was unconditional love. Uh, my dad, I heard, because I was the baby of six, I heard all the time, every time someone would leave the house, move out on their own or something like that, he would say, our door is always open. You can always come back. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if they were leaving for good reasons or for bad reasons. He just knew that eventually you're going to fall on hard times and just know you can always come home. Mm-hmm. And so as my kids get older, I kind of right. do that same thing. Which I could kind of provide a peace during that time right yeah. i mean when you're yeah. say if you're a musician and you're jumping out to go make a a run at it and you know that hey if this doesn't work there is always a place to go back to whether you, know? you whether you're going through a moment that's of your own you know consequences right. or you know so whether there's shame involved which there usually is you know to to know that there's no judgment back here, mm-hmm. but our door's always open. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that it just, you're right, it just provides a peace, uh, a peace for somebody, no matter what kind of right. thing you're going through. Yeah. And, um, yeah. All right. So uh, you're driving along, just coasting through life. You look around and think everything is great. However, little do you know, your life is about to be turned upside down. Tell me about a time in your life where God used a situation to wake you up and set you on a new path. Well, that's easy because I was driving when it happened. Uh, we were living out in Aurora, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, basically. We had just had our fifth child, and we were driving back uh, to Indiana for Easter. And we hit, uh, it, was, it was late at night. It was like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Basically, I got home from work and me, my impulsive self, decided, oh, let's leave now, you know, rather than wait right. till the morning, you know. So uh, my wife had just fed the baby, Lissa, and went to stick her back in the car seat. And I pulled out and started going down the road. Mm. 
and we hit a freak snow ice storm right around Michigan City, Indiana. And it was just one of those times, you know, growing up in Indiana, you know how to drive in ice mm-hmm. and snow and stuff like that. And so you know when you go into a spin if you're gonna if you're gonna pull out of it or not. And so I knew instantly. I, so the first mm-hmm. thing I told Donna was, I'm not getting out of this. We're going to crash. And my second thought was, who is God going to take? Because we had a van full, plus my older brother, my autistic brother, Mike, was with us. And so we were, we were packed full in this little Chevy Astro van. And I also just intuitively knew that the way we were going to slide into the median and we were going to flip. And I've never had an accident like this at all in, in all my years of driving. So... It was just interesting that all this stuff was coming to me in very split seconds. Right, right, yeah. And the next phrase out of my mouth was just, help us, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we flipped. I heard the windows blow out. At the time, what I believed, I thought, who is God going to take? Mm-hmm. Who's not going to make this? And so I heard the windows blow out. The roof caved in and hit my head. And right before I blacked out, I thought, oh, it's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect that. So maybe that. you took the brunt well, for everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. And ironically, that was the way that my dad died was in a car accident oh, really? uh, in in '95, and uh, yeah, and and from head injuries. So it was it was um, it was very hard for my mom to walk through wow. that again and to see to see pictures of it and stuff like that. But I was the only one that got hurt. And I had some, at the time, we were making good money. We, I was installing flooring out in Chicago and, and, you know, working on seven-figure homes, that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So we were making decent money, and I, would, I wasn't doing anything with music at the time. So during my recovery... And how old were you <clears throat> when this happened? It was 07. Okay. Oh, yeah. So when the economy was really doing well, too. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is right before the crash. Okay. Uh, so this is 07. And so I, without doing math, because I'm really slow at it right now, I, I think I was like 35. Okay. 37. I'm 46 now. So I don't Wow, know. you don't look that old. Yeah. My, I mean, you don't. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> it's funny because as we get older, right? I, I I'll say that you don't like that old, which insinuates that that's old. But it's right, like, right. Well, you don't look that you age. You don't look that Yeah. Right? That, that keeps a, it. Right. That's a better way to right. say it, right? You don't, you don't, don't look, look that, that age. age. Yeah. <laughs> I got to catch myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm 41, so. Yeah. So uh, during my recovery time, I was obviously off of work for a long time. And, and I mentioned earlier about this, you know odd relationship with the Holy Spirit that I have of talking to him. Imagine that. And he, he brought to mind the parable of the talents, which I grew up in church. I heard this, you know, multiple times, multiple ways, all that kind of thing. And so he, he just asked me, what would you have told me if I would have brought you home? And my only answer was I was afraid. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of success. I was afraid of not being good enough. And he said, okay, no more fear. Mm-hmm. What kind of legacy do you want to leave your kids? And, and so we just had some pretty raw conversations about that. And I decided at that moment that I wasn't going to let my life be dictated by my fears. So uh, that was the, the ultimate change of, that set me on the path to where I am now. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Something that... That definitely can make a huge impact for sure. And fear, 
Fear's kind of big. Oh yeah. In people's lives. Like oh, a little yeah. bit. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just, I think there's I think there's a lot in the in the Bible about fear too. Uh, which can be good. Actually it was I, I had I was talking to this one guy and, and I had asked a question about fear and I liked what he had said. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it really it wasn't like putting a bad stigma on fear. Because sure. fear can be good. You right. Know? Like I got those two calls this morning as I was driving here and you know if I didn't have fear, I might have been driving a little bit more crazier, you know. So, <laughs> so, so I, I thought that was good. But on the flip side, that obviously does hold us back from doing a whole lot more that yeah. he wants us yeah. to accomplish. So, all right. So um, now, kind of, kind of diving into the music. So, mm. educate me about the hammer dulcimer, which is what you play, and why did you choose uh, such a unique instrument? <laughs> well, uh, obviously, I mean, I, with what I said earlier, my Piano was my main instrument. I wasn't that good at it. I was, uh, uh, I, I had a lot of raw talent, so uh, I, I skated by. I was mm -hmm. taught theory, and my piano teacher tried to get me to learn how to read music, but I had a good enough ear that I could just have him play it once and then go home and play what he played. Well, he quickly, obviously, learned that I wasn't reading the notes because he started playing mistakes and I would go home and play the mistake. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, he was like, uh, you're not reading the music, are you? I no. <laughs> so, um, I was a lazy musician, <clears throat> which is unfortunate, but, uh, so I was start off on piano and I would play for my family when we would go and obviously, uh, go out to like, uh, nursing homes and stuff like mm -hmm. that and go out to different churches. And so in the late eighties, I, we, we can dive into like what makes the hammer dulcimer, that yes. kind of thing. Yes. Um, if you want to later. Sure. Uh, the late eighties, I heard this guy by the name of Rich Mullins and I heard this, I, I loved Rich. I was instantly drawn to him. Of course we all I didn't know. even know that was just ironic. I mentioned. Oh really? Name. No. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> didn't catch that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, Rich, uh, uh it's obvious that it seems like an obvious choice for me to gravitate towards someone like him. He, he was definitely rebellious in his own right mm -hmm. and uh, somewhat anti-church or religion. I, maybe not that. I wouldn't say that. But um, anyway, I heard him heard him play it on the albums. And then once I saw him in concert play it, I just was enthralled. And it took me about 10 years to find one. Mm. Wow. But uh, I always wanted one for a long time. And... My wife and I moved down to Arkansas after we got married yeah, in '97. So I was oh, did you? What part? Uh, Russellville. Okay. So Russellville. my wife is from Moralton. Okay. So how long did you live in Russellville? Just about a year. Okay. So you got like Conway, mm -hmm. Moralton, and then Russellville. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's where she's from. I went to oh, school cool. in Conway. Cool. So uh, yeah, we we had you know just this little box of a house that had four rooms in it, and you know. Just newly married. We didn't even have a bed to sleep on. We were sleeping on uh, blankets on the floor. Mm. The living room was filled with musical equipment and card table for a kitchen table, that type of thing. And and she heard of somebody up in the mountains, up in Mountain View, that mm -hmm. might have a hammer dulcimer at a music store. And so she took wedding me money that uh, she could have spent on a lot of other really? things wow. and bought me a hammer dulcimer. So I decided definitely at that time... I'm never trading her in. Right. She knew you well enough right then, right? <laughs> and sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, women like that, partners like that don't come along very mm -hmm. often. So I definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my wife. Yeah, that's awesome. And her support. So about the about the dulcimer, yeah. like what? Explain a little bit to somebody who's not, you know, looking at one. Yeah, yeah. So it's a trapezoid with uh, two to three bridges um, on the on the top soundboard. It's about two to three inches thick. Uh, has a you know a hollow body, and so there's these bridges that are going uh, uh, from top to bottom on the instrument, and then there's strings running across these bridges. And uh, the bridges raise it up off the soundboard, obviously, so that you can strike them with little wooden mallets. It's, uh, it's an open-tuned instrument, so it's a fifth-tuned instrument. So that, that was part of the weirdest thing, coming from piano and music theory, thinking chromatically. Uh, it, ha it is a chromatic instrument, but it's not linearly chromatic. So, yeah, you just, uh, you just take these little wooden mallets and... Mm -hmm. Memorize where all the notes are and all the scales and everything like that, and then you just start smacking. Play away. Yeah. So, have you been speaking Spanish? Because I don't understand anything. From a from a non well, there, yeah, you know, sorry, I, person. No, that was the point of it. I was just kidding though, because I'm just sitting there like listening, going, "Man, yeah, I have no understanding of music." Just besides. nod and smile. But, I, but it's funny. I was thinking this morning, and that's why, like, I enjoyed you know listening to you the first time I saw that. And then even like, yeah, there's this, I forget this guy's name, but somebody had shared it. And this guy, actually, it was a, he's, he holds the Guinness Book of World's Record fastest piano player. Hmm. I've never seen that. Ridiculous. <laughs> and he throws in some cool stuff where it's like the cello guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I realized I just, I love music, like different music, you know. And I enjoy, um, I enjoy the lyrics, but a lot of times growing up, I never listened to the lyrics. Like, that's why I listened to some of the stuff I did. Um, probably because I, if I would understand, like, yeah. But I just, I love the music. I love the bass. I mean, I literally, you know, I did the other day. I was in my car waiting on somebody. And uh, I was like, hmm. I, I YouTubed um, bass tracks. Like, because, you know, they used to have bass music. And, and I turned it up and I'm thinking, man, this forerunners got some sub like it sounded good like i just love bass but i just appreciate all music but yeah understanding of it yeah i don't have that so. um all right so you've been to uh so this is a quick little shout out mm -hmm. i know you've been to nashville a few times what's one of your uh, favorite restaurants you you like so far it's got to be Hattie B's. Hattie B's. Yeah. That's a good place. Nashville hot chicken. Yes. Like and good uh, chicken. I, I even I even asked my wife on the way here. I said, can I go to Hattie B's without you? She goes, yeah, you better go twice. <laughs> and bring her back some. <laughs> yes, right. right? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only seven hours. Right. So uh, what's you have a favorite nonprofit? Yes, actually. Um, I don't know how much they are a nonprofit, but uh, Riley's Children's Hospital in Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, that... Uh, that means a lot to me because I have a nephew who uh, went through a heart transplant um, and he lost two older brothers to mm. an incurable heart disease before wow. him. And so, yeah, he's 18 now and doing well. He's in line now for another uh, transplant because okay. he's now becoming an adult. So he's not really having issues with his heart. It's just the normal procedures. When you have a childhood heart transplant, you eventually grow out of okay. it. Okay. Right. Type of a thing. Yeah. So. All right, cool deal. All right, so in a world with possible instant success through social media, how do you deal with building on that and not letting the pride of that take you off course? 
Hmm. My, uh, my, <laughs> my wife, uh, my wife said, you know, the trash won't take itself out. <laughs> I think that's pretty much sums it up. All right. Uh, she's, she's a wonderful person. I, my kids keep me in line. They laugh at me more than anybody. I'm just an idiot with a hammered dulcimer. You know, I'm just the goofy dad that, you know, everybody's embarrassed of. Oh, you know, they love it. And, you know, you know so I, I still find it amazing that even people think of me as a star um, because I'm just like I said, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I still mow the lawn, mm -hmm. take out the garbage, put my pants on one and one leg at a time. So basically yeah, no. have a loving family that keeps you humble. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's good. Especially. If you don't have family, at least friends. Yeah. Who will laugh at you. <laughs> maybe when, maybe somebody needs to come up with like a hump, you know, like they have a lie detection test, right? Yeah. They can have a humble detection test. <laughs> like once you hit so far, it's like, dude, right, we, we got to knock you down. Yeah. Get some friends in your life. Like listen to some, some tapes. Like you're really not as good as you think you yeah. are. Oh, you no. <laughs> no. It, it's and then it's like, once you get to that level, it's like, oh, don't turn it off. Turn it off. Now he's going to go like in depression. Yes. <laughs> it's a, and there's a fine line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. All right. So uh, the 2019 <clears throat> Grammy Award goes to Ted Yoder. You step up on stage and begin your speech who will you acknowledge that has had a huge impact in your life my wife my kids my parents uh rich mullins a good friend of mine producer mark gersmal acoustic alchemy musically and again without sounding weird the holy spirit mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah sounds like i've had quite a few conversations <laughs> 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 Which is good. You're listening to you're listening to some wisdom there, right? Uh, not your own self. Hopefully um, not. All right. So being a musician, and obviously you had mentioned that you uh, you listen to a lot of audiobooks. Who's someone you're currently uh, following or learning from to expand your knowledge on your instrument or just life in general? Life in general. I don't take life too seriously, so I enjoy fiction a lot. Okay. Because. I, I'm, I'm the guy that watches movies and I don't see a plot line coming. I'm just enjoying it, right? Right. So I don't sit, I, I punch the person next to me if they start talking because it's like, quit it, you're ruining my groove here, all right? You know? So I don't analyze things. So I like fiction. Okay. Uh, CJ Box is one of my favorite authors right now. Okay. Uh, the Joe Pickett series is a Wyoming game warden who just kind of bumbles through life who married above his head kind of a thing and uh, has has three wonderful daughters. Kind of, so I, I, I recognize that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I like the I like the Lee Child series, Jack Reacher, John, yeah. John Grisham. I've been a huge fan of him, him since my 20s, my teens. Mm -hmm. So I'm just getting into Stephen King. Yeah. I tell you another one. I used to, I, and I actually, I went into a bookstore the other day. It smelled really good. I was like, Amazon smells nothing like yeah. this. And uh, I told the guy that I was actually, I bought bought this little travel book. Um, oh, Nelson DeMille. So he's one. So he actually wrote uh, General General's Daughter. Okay. And a couple other that were really good that I enjoyed. Like, I mean, because they were pretty real. Like from 
I don't know how you how that it's like a fiction based on fact type. Sure, but, sure. You know, yep. But a lot of like details. Yeah. But it's funny too. You're talking about the movies. We'll sit down and watch a movie. And yeah, I'm the same way. Like you know, that's why I don't like stuff that's scare me that much because it's just a movie it's just entertainment but uh my wife she'll be like oh yeah that's so-and-so yeah. especially this anime i'm like i don't know well you know no and i'm like it doesn't matter let's just hit play and watch the movie like and then we've i've already noticed grammar middle child he's the one he's the talker like it's like dude just be, be quiet and watch it it you'll find out what's coming up next you know yeah um how about as far as like with the music like um like do you learn from somebody with an instrument that like there's not a lot of people out doing or are you just playing with it yourself and you know just just myself i'm totally self-taught on the hammer dulcimer the only person i knew that played it was rich and he died in 97 and so i started playing his music uh because again that's the only you know so i picked out you know calling out your name and started working on creed and singing your praise Mm -hmm. to the lord and Sometimes by step was probably the first one that I learned. And so what I didn't know is that there's this huge culture of festivals and all this other Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And there's actually certain music that you're supposed to, I say in quotes, supposed to play on the hammer dulcimer. And evidently Rich Mullins wasn't doing that. Uh, I didn't know it because I'm totally self-taught, you know, so and, and I just started playing his stuff. So, you know, I'm playing Billy Joel, Elton John. I'm I'm doing my piano stuff on the mm-hmm. Hammer Dulcimer, and I didn't know there was you were supposed to play Appalachian, Appalachian, mm-hmm. you know, music on it, and uh, so yeah, I'm. I think that's what people enjoy about the instruments. Like like I said, that's what I enjoy about when the dude was playing a Michael Jackson song on the piano, right? And you know the cello guys were playing that. So like I think that's yeah. what makes them so unique you know because it's such the piece is what's awesome and now just throw some different types of music because mm-hmm. yeah not everybody's gonna want to listen to the appalachian music but right. you bring in some some music that people recognize and throw it on there and it's like oh wow that's really cool you know yeah like yeah i love i love that people are doing that you yeah know? yeah um i wish i could <laughs> so you just make what you think was an awesome post on social media. You get some pretty rough responses. How do you deal with mm. the feedback? It's tricky because you have to be engaged with your audience. Some of that you have to look at and check, wonder if those people are your audience mm. and whether you should care or not. There's a lot of hot air out there. And just because somebody has the means to post something doesn't mean they have the right. So it, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. You find out where the trolls are most, and you just kind of stay away. Yeah. I was definitely not to name drop. I just want to give some backdrop to who was actually saying it. So oh, I love name dropping. Go ahead. <laughs> so drop Kurt, some. Kurt Smith from Tears mm-hmm. for Fears, right? Okay. So they're over at the house, and he's been doing music, you know, for 50 some years now Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this very thing and he said oh i would never be able to handle that i don't i don't read any comments now he can afford to he's already he's already kind of made his money and and, start out on social right so the social media came after so he can just kind of sit back and post and just use social media what it was made for right just having fun and connecting with people so 
that that's the that's the hard part but also just to hear from a veteran musician that they're actually still that fragile <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm not just a wussy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because, you know, I would read stuff and I'm like, dude, I don't know you from Adam and you just cut me really deep and you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And that person went throughout their day and didn't say, didn't think one iota about me and what they posted. They just right. they just threw up on the Internet and and now they're off having a beer and not even thinking about it. They're watching the Titans, you know, or whatever. No, I wouldn't say that. Nashville people wouldn't do that. Right, exactly. We're, we're the uh, the Raiders. We'll mm-hmm. go with the Raiders. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, you have to grow a thick skin, but also what's really cool is you you have to build your culture. So I've gone on my Facebook page before um, when people have started on both sides, whether whether they're liberal, Republican, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, whatever, and they just start being vehement with each other. Right. And I've gone on there. I literally have a video on there to this day. Yeah. And I said, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. This is not what I'm about. Right. You really have to go somewhere else. Right. I'm not going to let this happen on my page. This is my page. Just go away. Yeah. So that felt really good because I felt like I wasn't dancing on a line anymore Mm -hmm. i actually just drew the line and i said look if my page drops from three hundred thousand likes to a hundred thousand likes i don't care i'm not gonna surround myself with that because that's not who i am that's not what i want to bring into this world either so i just kind of said if you want to follow me let's go this is where we're going well i have some really good advice this is what i would do over and over i would just post sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me <laughs> which is a really interesting phrase when you think about it right to, to, to say that words will never hurt me it's like yeah they will there, there, there's never been a falser statement right yeah, i mean it's very true because like as i was thinking about that i was like that is so true all right uh share with me the importance of involving your kids and your family into all you're doing. Hmm. I sure hope it's important. Um, I think the, I, like I said, I sure hope they notice that no matter how much dad travels and no, no matter who I interview with or what the papers write about me or something like that, that I still mow the lawn, um, that I separate myself from it and just be with them. Mm-hmm. Actually turn the phone off. Mm-hmm. and play play some cornhole, <laughs> ping pong, you know, something. Right. Uh, watch a movie. And they help you with the business to some degree, Yeah, they do. Right? Yep, right? Yep, a little bit, yep. so you involve them in that way. Yeah, well. and they, they've kind of gone through the progression. So, you know, the, the older kids at one point would go with me, and now they have jobs of their own. And so now the middle kids are coming up, and they take over certain mm-hmm. certain travel duties or, or mailings. And, and how long have you been doing? How long have you been? Uh, full-time since 2010. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So also in the early years when the checkbook was really low all the time, (laughs) the family would go with me. We would we would just go camping. And that's how, you know, we didn't have money to spend at a hotel. So we would just go camping where it's like, you know, seven, ten bucks a night kind of a thing. And the beautiful part of that is they got to see how the business was built. Mm And they got to see all the firsthand struggles. They got to hear dad cuss because I'm angry because I can't make the bills and, you know, just all that. They get to see the good and the bad. And they got to see how God provided and kept loving no matter how I treated him, no matter what I thought about him. 
they got to see that the love of the family never leaves mm -hmm. and that's the most important thing and i constantly told them if i do this for seven or 70 years it shouldn't matter uh, right i just because i'm not going to lose my family because i'm too busy trying to do what i love i love what i do yes there's identity in that you know i I'm, I, i'd be a fool right if i told you there wasn't yeah, but, I, guess, I guess that's the uh, the key of, you know, making sure sometimes you might have to redefine success. Yeah, what is success. absolutely. Um, and I would say having seven kids, that that is success, right? Is what you're leaving them with, and mm -hmm. which is the love. A marriage that's still intact. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's always a good thing. How long? 20, <laughs> 21 years. 21 years. Yep. I said that. I'm actually, Saturday, um, we're celebrating 17 years. Awesome. Congrats. 18. It goes by four. really fast. I know it does. Actually, what's what's funny is that, you know, you think that, and it does seem that, but then when you start thinking about all the <laughs> memories and everything, it's like, ah, like, oh, that was, a, like, we've done a lot. We've done a lot, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, man, I put up with you that long, you know? That's what she would say. I, oh, no, I, 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 tell, I tell my concert goers all the time, I say, we have seven kids. My wife has eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Natalie's the same way. <laughs> really? You said that? Like, really? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I'm pretty easygoing, too, into humor. Like, you got to make light of stuff. And oh, man. Just like, so, you know, you, this is the first time you've met me, and I made that comment about um, Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins, right? Right, right. Well, you, didn't, you don't know me well enough to pick up on that sarcasm. And yet, I'll just say that whenever I meet somebody. To right, anybody. She's like. They don't even know. Me. I'm like, I know. That's what I love. I like, I like getting that response. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you don't know what they walked away thinking. No, I know. And, but that's that's it's what's a, fun. It is. It is. Like, oh, I do. They I might do. think you're a total jerk. Right. I mean, there's that. Like, I was on a mastermind call, and uh, we'd start out, and I would just say, Yeah, I just got out of prison, you know, or something. Just, and they don't, they have no idea, you know, who I am. But I did have to at times I have to go. All right, I can be a little bit more serious, you know. <laughs> or actually, I love so being in real estate. One of the funny things I would say, I'd show some homes, you know, and and so they're ready to put an offer, and I'm like, they're like, all right, you know, and it's like, you're ready. They're like, yeah. So what do we do next? I'm like. I don't know. I've never made it this far. <laughs> or, or I'm like, I'm not sure. Let me Google it real quick. <laughs> and there's been a couple that were like, they thought I was serious or thought I was kidding, but they were a little concerned. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. All right. So speak some wisdom into the hearts of listeners that feel stuck. Maybe they know what they need to do, mm -hmm. but just can't get the motivation to do it yet. They don't want to see another 10 years pass by and regret that they did not take the leap of faith. Well, again, this is definitely coming from the cheap seats. You know, just like marriage, you kind of look back and you wonder how you made it this far. <laughs> that you're still breathing and, and I'll tell you here, let, my wife sent me a picture of a book she's reading. It's got a really long title. It's called like in in the pit with a lion on a snowy day or something like that I think there are two kinds of people in the world creators and criticizers there are people who get out of the boat and walk on water and there are people who sit in the boat and criticize water walkers here's what I think sinking is better than sitting I'd rather get wet than have a numb glutinous maximus gluteus Mac maximus when everything is said and done I think our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained risks we didn't take. Mm -hmm. I never 
I would never presume that I'm a man of faith because I don't know exactly what that is. <laughs> um, but I do know that eventually you need to just do what you fear. You, need, you have to just find the courage somehow to just take that step toward your fear instead of backing away from it and hiding. That's, that's all that I did. That's all that I keep doing. In fact, just like seven days ago, my wife and I were in the backyard and we were, you know, playing with the dogs and stuff. And, and I told her, I said, I don't know how long I can keep doing this. It seems like we always get to a place where money's tight, you know, the business isn't going where we thought it would go. We almost make a connection that just falls short of something big, you know, booking agent, that kind of thing, you know, just whatever, something, you know. Once again, you you look like two years ago, I had a Facebook viral video from with Tears for Fears. They came out to my friggin' house mm -hmm. and spent time with me and my family, you know. What the heck? That's almost like James Brown coming out to your house and right. hanging out, you know, or whatever. Um, and I and I and I just said, what? Why would God even have brought that to me? Because mm. I was ready to quit then, because it was it was it was just getting too hard. I got tired of constantly trying to dream, right? Or walk on water, right? Yeah. I just wanted to be in the boat for a little bit mm. and just make a living, flip hamburgers, do something. Right. And then that came along. Well, that brought a whole new wave of stuff and a, obviously a whole new wave of, of hope. And yeah, just seven days ago, I was just saying, I don't know if I can do this. I don't even know if I have hope left anymore. Mm. You know, I think I'll just, uh, I have some gigs from now until May. I'll just play those out. And in the meantime, I'll just start, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Right. But I think, I think I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that. And I don't know. So in between then and now, like right now, if you ask me, am I going to quit? Right. I would say, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm having too much fun. Right. But what happened between seven days ago and now? I'm not real sure, but I just kept walking. Right. And I think I think you you may not be a water walker, but you can learn how to be one. And there's my wife isn't a risk taker. She spent her whole life being this submissive, reserved, analytical person. But now she doesn't, after 21 years, she doesn't know how else to be. Mm -hmm. She's been married to me for 21 years. I'm horribly influential sometimes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, it all, for me, it all started with just one step of facing my fear. There was a, a Brian Tracy book called Eat Your Frog, e Eat That Frog. And he just talked about taking one step toward your fear. Do what you fear and fear disappears. We probably all, all heard that phrase. And I don't know that it necessarily disappears, but you find it has less substance mm -hmm. than what you thought. It has mm -hmm. less teeth. So there's there's always the haters. There's always the people that will cut you. There's the people that will criticize you from the boat, <laughs> you know, yelling at you. You can't do that. Right. You're too heavy to walk on water. Mm -hmm. You know, this this isn't scientifically or whatever possible you know you can't do that right um there's always going to be the crabs that'll pull you back into the bucket when you're trying to climb out um i honestly think it's just one step at a time yeah and that's why you know growing up thinking you hear stories of men and women of faith i'm just like i don't do what they do mm -hmm. 
I just take one step at a time. And I think that's all that it is. Yeah, that's some great, uh, great wisdom. As you could tell, I'm just sitting there. Well, you know, and I think, I think too, you know, having one of the things we talk about a lot in our mastermind group Hmm. is having a why is, you know, what is your purpose, you know, and which it can obviously shift and change. But I think the more we define that, which hopefully, you know, your family's in there and different elements of, you know, if it's your faith or, you know, different elements of your life are part of that. It's not just one thing. Um, you know, I think if that's defined clearly, then whenever you don't want to take that next step, you kind of got to look back and go, hold on though. Is this, you know, is this, this is fit. And maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I guess that's kind of why it's that low, that whole, you know, long-term planning. Um, because even like with what I'm doing, and in real estate and then I'm kind of looking more like um, real estate investing and like I'm liking this and like there's just so many things that you could do or reinvent yourself in different ways you know Um, but I do think that you know it comes back to going why are you doing it yeah you know yeah Um, and if you if you keep that in front of you that's going to help you take that one step forward and then like you said when you have that one person that throws something at you you're you're not you know you don't get sidetracked you know you just kind of keep focused not that it's gonna be easy right but, no um yeah in fact i was just yeah. talking with my my friends last night and we we were talking about the why mm-hmm. why do yeah why do we keep punishing ourselves we keep putting ourselves out there and you know that's what artists do whether you're a, a musician a painter a sculptor you know whatever you're you, it, it's different no offense, but then selling real estate, right? right? I mean, you know, there's, there's a, at least in my mind, there's a def, a disconnect between going and flipping hamburgers and coming home, uh, than someone opening up their heart and putting it out there via whatever kind of, what's my word, vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, and, th- and then having some people criticize that because right. you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there. And, it's, um, and it is because of social media. Yeah, it's just yeah. that much more rapid to be open to that. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. before we think about it, you put it, put out a CD, you never even, the only way you knew if people liked it or not is they bought it or they didn't. Yeah. You didn't go and, and if, if you And if you got the critics right. saying something in yeah. the papers, people had to mail it to you right, in order for right. you to even see it. Yeah, you didn't, you, you were insulated. Which I think that's, you know what? <clears throat> um, I was talking to someone the other day and I'm trying to think because we were talking about just being so easily influenced actually Mm. yeah i had an epiphany recently of like uh, that i have a lack of trust Mm. and i think it's because of experiences in church it could be the upbringing it can also be you know news i mean think about it you're like you're paying attention going well heck which politician's better i don't know there's trash on all of them and so many opinions and it's like Okay, who cares? Let's just turn it off. Like, how's yeah. that affecting me? Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that that can, I mean, we can allow that stuff in to really influence us. And mm-hmm. it's like, how's that? Why does it matter? You know yeah. what I mean? So yep. it's like, you have your you have your talent. You love what you do. You just keep doing it. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's that balance of going, do I need to engage? Do I not? Do I mm-hmm. just, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's some deep stuff right there. (laughs) If you could write your 20-year-old self a letter, what is one tip you would pin on each of the following? Parenting, marriage, or business slash music? 
don't not do something because of that girl. <laughs> okay. I don't have many regrets in life. <laughs> but there is that one girl that um, that I decided not to go to, you know, a recording school academy mm. because I, you know, I didn't want to be away from that one girl. She was just so awesome. And I was just so not awesome without her, you know. And uh, I, I always look back at that and just go, dang it, really? <laughs> right, right. So it wasn't that she regret the girl. It was no regret that you followed her when you should yes, have done it. Didn't when you? I should have went and yeah. But then that then that goes. Eh, when I met my wife or when I met my but right, yeah. right. But I get your point. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You know, just don't take life too serious. It really is just a breath. But at the same time. You know, treat people like they're not just breath. Yeah. I think that's about it. I mean, there's there's a fine balance. Having fun, you know, it, it's like the... I'm sure there's other publications that say it too, but, you know, like the Bible says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. Um, but then it also talks a lot about throwing parties and right. having fun. And, you know, so... I, I laugh at that because, like, I still get so poor <laughs> when people are like, you know... Well, no, you don't need to do this, drink this. It's like, that was his first miracle. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. But granted, even within that, there's that balance. Water was not good enough. Right. He needed wine, right. and it was good wine. Well, I mean, think about the people he had to deal with, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, need to, you need to take the edge off. Get the Pharisees drunk. Maybe you could withstand them a little bit. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. All right. So um, from the great words of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Hmm. I'm going to I'm going to read this cuz this is what I wrote down. All right. And I normally don't do this, so That's fine. Go for it. Usually I'm just You're like, "Dude, I took all these notes. I'm I want just to write them down." Spotting uh, spouting off. I I I want to continue being a water walker. Uh, I want to show my kids and the world that I'm so very imperfect and uninteresting. Yet I can't stand the thought of being unnecessary. So I face my fears and demons daily. Sometimes they beat me up real bad, but sometimes I win. And when you taste victory, the thirst is insatiable. I never stop hoping that I'm here daily for a purpose. That's some deep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good word. So there you go. Good word. That's about as deep as I get. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say? Thank you. You're welcome. It's been fun. I enjoyed this a lot. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. I, <laughs> I hope to... I don't put anybody to sleep. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It's, it's it's good stuff. We all have, and I think that's that's <clears throat> the one thing again. Like you know, just kind of reflecting on me, um, and I think it's just realizing that we all do have our story. We have our past. Mm -hmm. We have our struggles. We have so many variables that are affecting us. You know, which should be all the more reason that we all gravitate towards grace mm -hmm. you know even like and that's where I have to tell myself I'm like okay I can be critical and judgmental which I can't always turn that off right now anyways but I can choose how to respond you know mm -hmm. um, I can choose not to get so frustrated when I'm on the road oh, really <laughs> I don't know I often wonder that will be the last thing I, I think I address actually it was funny though as I, as, I, as I was thinking you know over the last couple months and just kind of dissecting love and, and trust I, I want to actually go Google 
why am I an aggressive driver? <laughs> I know it's a control thing. Like, I know I want to be up front, but, like, what, what, where's the roots of that? You know? <laughs> Oh, I'm, prob right. I'm probably the person that, that you're being aggressive towards because I just kind of... You just chill. I, I never speed. And I don't. I, I don't because I I'm always... So sorry. I, <laughs> and you are the rebel. But I always the, get caught. Oh, uh, well. I've, I've got, got, I, I got caught twice. And, and it's not even when I'm doing it on purpose. That's the thing. So I'm just like, no, dude, I I'm not going to do it. So 47, right? Mm -hmm. You've been caught twice. Yep. I won't even say how many times I've been caught, let go, ticketed. <laughs> and I still do it. Like, that's one thing my dad... I think I, I inherited... Well, I mean, there was something there, but yeah, it's, I often wonder, I'm like, man, when I'm like 70, will I just be like, I don't, I don't care about that light. I don't have to avoid it. <laughs> no, you're going to be, you're going to be putting the pedal down and get um, out of my way. Well, I was at, well, I mean, it really is funny though, as I'm driving this around. I'm like, you know what? I need to pace my just to bring it wherever, so that way I'm not the one driving. <laughs> and then people go, "Yeah, I saw you." That's, I mean, <laughs> That's right. You're instantly identifiable it, now. It yeah. is. Yeah. And, to, and I got you know Nashville and Tola. Like, uh, and I mean, but I still like don't think I'm being that. Good. Like even this morning, it's like, hey, look, there was openings. I just know which lanes to hit. You know. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> and so tell the audience where they can find you at. Uh, TedYoder.com. Of course, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's pretty and much. I'm recently, did you recently put out an album? Uh, yeah, just last. Uh, it, it's a year old now, okay. but okay. it's uh, "Songs from the Orchard." Has everybody wants to rule the world on it, and uh, a couple Beatles songs. Yeah, some originals. Um, of course, if you do the digital stuff, I'm all over iTunes and Spotify and places like that right. too. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Check him out. And now he's going to play a song. I know you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And that is the one tough thing about having an interview and having limited time is that you can only pull out so much. I know in Ted's story, there's probably so much more, but he definitely gave a lot of great nuggets, a lot of great insight into his story and a lot of wisdom you can apply to your life. So um, make sure to, uh, to take another listen to that. It's kind of like uh, reading a good book. Um, you can read it once or twice or three times and always get something new out of it. I think that's kind of how, uh, how Ted's story can be uh, utilized. Um, so again, hope, hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Next week, Bill Riddle will join me in the Rambler. He is a veteran with over 29 years of college, junior, and club coaching and management experiences and is recognized as a high-performance tennis specialist. He serves as the director of tennis for the Bluegrass Yacht and Country Club in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and now also oversees the new tennis program at Temple Hills Country Club. He has been a speaker at a number of national and international coaches and player workshops and seminars around the world. 
One of Bill's passions is the annual Music City Tennis Invitational Charity Tennis Tournament that raises money for the Vanderbilt University Children's Hospital Child Development Center. So we will dive into his story and learn a lot about all he's doing to impact Nashville and around the world. So make sure to tune in for that. As always, thanks for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you did enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe and feel free to share it with some friends. That's how, obviously, the word gets around. I know um, if you've listened to several of the episodes, there are a lot of great stories. So my goal is to share those and help people pull some wisdom out of it. And if you do have a second, feel free to leave a review. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Ted Yoder. And you can connect with him via social media, uh, follow him on Facebook, and you can check out some of his tour dates. So maybe he'll be around a city and you can uh, go check him out and listen to uh, his awesome music on the Hammer Dulcimer. Now, enjoy some music from Ted. This song was written, uh, some good things do come off of Facebook. I had a friend who posted a picture of a little tiny flower that was in Indiana surrounded by snow. And so this is little three, four inch tall flowers, bright yellow and green, and it's called a crocus. And I, when, I, when I saw the picture, I was just impressed with the, uh, the tenacity of a little flower to push through the cold, dark, frozen ground of the earth as soon as there's any hint of spring and warmth and sunlight, and it pops up and gives us hope for a, a new tomorrow. So it's a, this is called March of the Crocus.
We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.